Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I hey. am. <laughs> this is Prue Warren, and I am Meredith Bond. How's that? <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. We want to wish all those who celebrate Christmas a very merry one, because we're we're, we're getting close to now recording just about the same time we're spitting out the rounds. So we know it's Christmas time when you're starting to listen to this. <laughs> Yes, that's right. This is going to be aired on Christmas Eve. So Yay. a very, very Merry Christmas to everybody who listens, who celebrates the holiday. Right. Um, and but, in, reality, in reality, given that it's going to air on Christmas Eve, I mean, chances are good. People are going to be listening after Christmas. So let's also say, I hope your Christmas was grand, honey, grand. It's going to be over by the time anyone listens to this. We have a good topic today Meredith yes we do front and we back are matter. going to talk about front and back matter and I am prepared Prudence I am prepared <laughs> I've got books oh my god good for you I have physical books in my hand and right, gonna, my kindle <laughs> very good very good I have my uh my uh vellum I do all my formatting in I mean my organizing in vellum which incidentally vellum's update has some really cool styles in it but vellum has decided it knows better than i do where i want my elements and i can't move them around have you played you don't you don't use vellum you use judo i use judo because that way i can make it look absolutely any way i want it to look well now you sound smug and annoying and i thank you very much for that (laughs) 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 that is the advantage of a professional formatter oh my god oh my god all right all right miss professional formatter thank you very much (laughs) you know every time every time i go to clean one of my my manuscripts i go to a file in my computer which is called writer university and it says how to clean a document by meredith bond and i am very grateful to you for that document I think we've done that very same topic on a po- earlier podcast. If we haven't, we ought to, because wow, is that you? Yeah, I'm listeners, writing. could you please uh, let us know if you would like to know how to clean your document in preparation for formatting? And I would be more than happy to share that information with you. Very generous of you, since you charge people money to do it for them. So you are a very generous human. I also teach the course, so. That's fine. Oh God, you're the source. Okay, so the first time I went to publish a book, I was so excited that I had uh, had my book edited and baited and proofread, and I knew I was ready. I had a cover. I was ready to go. But then I discovered there were a couple of elements that I was missing, which was the entire front and back matter, which no one has ever talked about. 
I had to throw myself on Mindy Glasky's mercy and thank God she helped me. So let's you and me address this. Tell me and the world what's what is front and back matter at all? What is it? Just generically. Okay. Just generically, it is all the stuff that goes before the story and all the stuff that goes after the story. And there's a lot. And there can be a lot. And there is so much variety and so many options and so many fantastic things that you can put in there. And it all depends on your genre um, and your particular story. So um, I'm just... Right now, I'm just looking through these books that I just pulled, just randomly pulled off my shelf. Okay. Um, I pulled off Fantasy Lover by Sherilyn Kenyon, which is uh, obviously fantasy romance. Her book begins with a, a teaser on the very first page after the cover. At the bottom of that teaser, and the teaser is, for a romance, it's usually what leads up to the first kiss, or including the first kiss. A moment moment of witty banter or a moment of rising passion. Exactly. I've never put a teaser in a book. I've never put a teaser in a book. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's something to so that if somebody picks it up off the shelf and at a bookstore and just opens up the first page, it should grab them and make them want to switch to the you know turn to the first chapter, dive in to keep going. So, do you just okay, okay? Already, I have questions. That's obviously you're holding in your hand print versions, indeed, but. But do you happen to have Fantasy Lover as an ebook? I do not, actually. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going on to Amazon, and I am going to look up Fantasy Lover uh-huh. and do a look inside. Fantasy and Lover see if by it gives you the, be- the very beginning. It may or may not. Right. A Dark Hunter novel. Okay, this is an audiobook. I want the Kindle. Look inside. All right. It begins, an ancient Greek legend possessed of supreme strength. Right. That is in the physical book. That is after the title page. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't start me at the top. Okay. Here's the cover. The next page is a title page. Then contents. Uh Uh-huh. And then a dedication. And then Mm -hmm. an ancient Greek legend. She does not put a teaser in an e-book. That's interesting. That is interesting. So I'm going to make a little, I'm making a chart. Uh, number one on print teaser is a possibility. Number one on e-book, email, uh, email, ebook, ebook. Maybe teaser not. What I always put at the front, the first page of my ebook is the book description. Oh, do you really? I always do because. I don't know. I think most people are like me that in that they'll buy an ebook when it's on sale and then totally forget about it. And then, you know, months later, you're scrolling through all of the books you have on your Kindle and oops, there it is. What's that about? I think that's brilliant. If you open it up, it's right. Right. 
your back cover copy on the first page of your ebook because no one with an ebook can see your back cover copy. Right. Changing the way I do things from now on. Thank you, Meredith. All right. Yeah. All right. Back cover copy for an ebook teaser for the print book because they've already got the back cover copy. Mm-hmm. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, I'm taking a copying you. Um, I have as another example book, I have Mary Jo Putney's Once a Rebel. And I'm also looking it up. I looked it up on Amazon and looking at the inside. And the inside of the ebook is exactly the same as the inside of the physical book. So that and what of a table of contents is oh, it's a table of contents. And it right. So in the ebook, there's always a table of contents, and in the physical book, there is not. Here's my but, thought for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, but she does not have the book description to begin with. She has the same teaser, even in the ebook. Okay. Here's what I here's why I would take issue with that. Because I am not Mary Jo Putney or Sherilyn Kenyon with 10,000 readers who are hungry anyway. I would never put the table of contents first in an ebook because when Amazon allows a reader to download the first 30 pages or whatever, or when any of the platforms say you may download the first 30 pages, I don't want those 30 pages to include a page and a half of chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. That's just a waste of my precious real estate. So I put table of contents on an ebook. I put that in the back. That's interesting. And it lets you do that. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of authors for a while were putting their copyright and dedication pages in the back. Well, you know, what's interesting is this is part of why I'm having a problem with Vellum. Vellum is now insisting the copyright goes in the right, right in the beginning. Mm. But I don't want and it. It doesn't to have to. On an ebook, if I was in Juto, I would. Or if I found someone who knew Vellum better and they could tell me what I'm doing wrong. But my goal would be to, in an ebook, I would put copyright and table of contents in the back of the book mm-hmm. because that's those first 30 pages or whatever, what percentage is allowed to be downloaded by someone who's testing out the book? I, I want to fill that with as much story as I can. Right. Right. All right. Good. All right. So, so either teaser or book. Exactly. Either teaser or book description at the beginning. And then there is usually other books by this author. In the beginning? No. Yeah. Don't waste, don't waste the beginning on other books by. I'm looking at the physical copies. Okay. Okay. Even so, I would still my I other put books, that in the back of my ebooks as yeah, well. Yeah, other books buy. The the important thing for ebooks on other books buy is that on an ebook you can make them live links. So my other books buy, if someone clicks on it, uh, they'll be taken to a place where they can buy that book. Exactly. Um, if they buy the book on Amazon, then the link will give them the Amazon link. If they buy it on Apple, then the link will give them the Apple link. Uh, right. I know you do the same, but um, 
Vellum does those smart links. So I make sure I include those wherever I can. Right. Um, the one thing that you have to be careful of is if a reader is reading a Kindle book on an Apple device, then Apple will not allow you to have a direct link to Amazon because they don't get along, Amazon and Apple. So you have to put, you put an indirect link. Um, so uh, I use Genius Links. Some people use um, an add-on into uh, uh, through WordPress. Uh, there are lots and lots of ways to do it. You just have to make sure um, if you use a bit.ly link, it still says Amazon, and so it doesn't work. So you have to use a different link that doesn't actually say Amazon. <laughs> okay, but this is only in one direction because nobody reads Kindle books on an Apple reader. The only question is, is someone reading Kindle on their Apple device? Right. This is only if you're reading a Kindle book on your Apple device, you cannot have the direct link to Amazon in your at the end of your book, in your book. So book. if I am, because all, all of my things are, are Macs, if I were to try to buy one of my books on my Mac from my Kindle reader, what would it do? The link might not work. The link probably wouldn't work. Okay. I think the concept of indirect links is worth its own topic. So I'm yes. writing that. Good, because it is a big topic and it's an interesting one. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. So I'm table thing that for now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, okay. As, as we're going through this, Meredith, I was thinking about, I was watching some old Christmas movie and I, it came to me that in an old movie, in a 1940s or 1950s movie, all the credits were at the beginning mm -hmm. and nothing happens at the end. The credits last four screens. That's it. And there are only 20 people who made that movie. Sorry. Hope, <laughs> sorry. You didn't want to know who the second key grip was. Now movies go on for 15 minutes telling you the name of everybody who worked at the accounting firm, which is in Belgium somewhere. Like movies, book production changes over time. So just for purposes of, of discussion, the three physical books you have in your hand, on what, in what years were they published? Because I'm getting that there are changes now. Let's see. Uh, the Mary Jo Putney was at 2017. Oh, that's, that's going to be interesting. And Fantasy Lover, the Sherilyn Kenyon was at 2002. Ah, oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and it's also different for traditionally published books and sure. indie books. Because indie books. Um, for indies, we want to acknowledge the other people who helped us. Who, who helped us. And so right. I always put on my copyright page, copy. Um, edited by and book cover designed by and uh i for my formatting clients i ask if i can put formatting by on the copyright page okay hang on okay we haven't gotten to the copyright page yet 
because there's a oh, lot yeah. of information that goes on the copyright page. That so far, we're at teaser or book description to lead off the book. Right. Now, the next thing that I think you have to have in a print book is a half title to get the pages going right. Yes, I would agree. Um, actually, in a print book, I don't, uh, I would put the half title first. But All right. It, title it, first before it, it doesn't matter. You can do it either way. Okay. Explain to our listener what the half title does. Why is that valuable? The half title is just, it's just the very first page of a print book so that your book looks professionally done. Because if <laughs> you don't have a title, everything that should be on the right page it now wraps around to the left page. You get off kilter without that half title. No, you don't because you can put in a blank page. Okay. Okay. All right. Print book. Start with a half title. Start and with a half title and then put in your teaser or your book description in a print book. Okay. The half title just has the title of the book. Yes. And it's That's not in the in a fancy font or anything. It's just in whatever font you're going to use for the main text of your book. Right. It's very simple. Half title. Very simple. Okay. Um, I think that the next thing, half title and then a teaser or a book description, but the next thing is the title page. Yes. Okay. And what goes on the title page? The title page is, uh, uh, strangely enough, your title, um, your name. <laughs> and depending on how big of an author you think you are, your name can either be larger or smaller than the title. <laughs> All right. Um, and then if you have an imprint, at the bottom of your title page would be the your logo and uh, your imprint. Right. Good. Okay. Now, um, for indie people, uh, a logo and an imprint name, that's really the publisher. Yes, that is the publisher. Okay. So if you're indie, what do you put? Um, if you have, anybody can create an imprint name. That's right. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, it's best to, uh, to register it with your local government as a DBA, a doing business as that does not change your tax status. You're still a sole proprietor for tax status. Um, but it just makes it so that nobody else can use that name. I, I'm writing it down, which is why I'm stammering. Uh, I spoke with Mindy, my other mentor, who mm -hmm. spent her life as a lawyer in copyright law. Her advice to me was, I live in Virginia. She says, you don't even need to register it. You can really? make up a publishing house. You don't have to register it. In Virginia, at least, it's mine. It's just, I just put that down. I suppose someone else could use it and I couldn't stop them because I have no legal right to it. But, uh, you don't, I mean, it's, it might be worth checking it out on your, in your, in your local, your local authorities to find out if you need to register an imprint name. Yeah. See, I didn't know. I didn't have a lawyer to check with. So when I moved to Virginia, 
I registered both Meredith Bond and my imprint name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So nobody can use your imprint. Okay, that's you're probably safer. Um, What's your imprint name, Pro? My imprint name is Key Legit Regit Press, which I found in an 1880s copy of Little Women. It means she who reads rules. Isn't that, isn't that artsy, artsy, a Latin name? That's very nice. Um, but the real, but here's the reason why I really like having this theoretical publishing house, which is publishing me. The bar is so low in the indie world that if you list your book with your name as the publisher, you may get sneered at by potential readers who will say, no, I'm sick of writing. I'm reading indie books. These people don't know how to write. And they don't know that you really do know how to write. Give yourself a nice highfalutin name. So so at least looks like someone in authority has given you the, the thumbs up, even though that's no longer necessary. Or even I completely agree. So give yourself a nice name. That's my that's my word of advice. Okay. So I completely agree. Half title, teaser, title page. When I do them on vellum, I have some of these things in my ebook and some of these things in my print book and some of these things in all of them. I only have a half title in the print book. Uh, I have, okay, are we up? Are, do you think we're up to the copyright page? Yes, because the copyright page always comes on the back or just after the title page. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. My poor mind show always. up. No, why? Unless you are, unless you are doing it in an ebook, in which case you can put the copyright page at the end. Right, which is nice for that. Download the first. 20 pages or whatever your option is. Yep. You don't want to fill someone with the copyright page. Okay. Copyright page is a big deal. So let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so many people have various copyright pages. Um, you can put almost uh, as little or as much as you want on your copyright page. Um, just looking at Sherilyn Kenyon's copyright page, she is traditionally published through uh, St. Martin's Press uh, at that time in 2002. And all it says is, all rights reserved, no part of this book may be used or reproduced in any manner whatsoever without written permission, except in the case of brief quotations embodied in critical articles or reviews. For information, please and then it, it gives the name and address of St. Martin's Press. Okay, here's what I think is particularly interesting. The copyright that I'm using, which of course was handed to me by the ever-patient Mendy Klasky, former copyright lawyer. Mm-hmm. In, this, this is the first part. And see where it's different from what you just read. No part of this book may be reproduced in any form or by any electronic or mechanical means, including uh-huh. information storage and retrieval systems without written permission from the author, except for the use of brief quotations in a book review. So once again, the difference between Sherilyn Kenyon's book in 2002 and our books now in 2021 is this digital revolution that she was not dealing with. That's true. That is very yeah, true. Fascinating. Um, Mindy also includes a, this work, this is a work of fiction paragraph, any resemblances mm-hmm. So uh, that I think that is useful. Yeah. Um, and I have one client who has a very interesting copyright page text 
Um, she also has uh, no part of this publication may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form by any means, including photocopying, recording, or other electronic or mechanical methods, mm -hmm. or stored in a database or retrieval system without prior written permission of the publisher. Right. And right. she that also has um, unauthor the unauthorized reproduction or distribution of this copyrighted work is illegal. Criminal copyright infringement without monetary gain is investigated by the FBI and is punishable <laughs> up to five years in federal prison with a fine of $250,000. The moral rights of this author has been asserted. Wow, that's powerful. Right? <laughs> FBI is coming to get you. Wow. <laughs> Wow. And All she, right. she also has the paragraph on um, uh, fiction and names and places uh, are purely uh, coincidental. Okay. All right. Um, so, listener, you can use uh, any copyright information or phrase that you want, but it is recommended that you begin with copyright with a C in a circle and then the year by your name. And it does all not need to be your legal name. It can be your pen name. Pen name. That's right. And then all rights reserved. Yes. So do, put, put whatever language you want to steal from someone else's book there that looks good. Because there's a lot of variety that you can do. Yeah. And then I agree with you, Mary. I like to put who my cover designer was. But I have not been putting down who my editor was. And I probably oh. should. Yeah, you should. Because that's where a lot of indie authors uh, find it's out someone. names of editors. And so it's free advertising for the person who worked on your book. And okay. in an ebook, you make it a live link to their website. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a really nice idea. That's a nice way to say thank you. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is it says published, published by Key Legit Regit Press, Alexander, Virginia, which is where I've decided they have their elegant offices. And the ISBN number gets listed. Mm -hmm. And the ISBN number, it's important to notice when you're putting the book together that you need a print ISBN number for your paperback or hardback, and you need an, a second ISBN number for your ebook. Those two have to have different numbers. Yes. Different formats have to have different numbers. So either print or ebook version. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have your ISBN numbers, you can go to Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R.com, and they will sell you ISBNs, which are the um, standardized book number. For uh, the U.S. Money. Amazon would be happy to, to give you a free ISBN. When they do, though, they will list themselves as your publisher. So those free ISBNs, maybe that's a great way for you to save some pennies and it's a perfectly legal and good thing to do. Just be aware that there goes key legit regit press because now Amazon is the publisher. If they give you the ISBN. But just for the print version uh, for the ebook version, you don't need an ISBN, but you should have, you, one. you should have, one. have an ISBN so that people can find you so that libraries and people who know what they're, yes, have an ISBN, have an ISBN, be legit. Um, Vellum ads, which I didn't know until just this minute, discover other titles by Prue Warren at prewarren.com, which is nice. 
And then the last thing, and I have already in my first year as an indie author, I've already found this useful. Um, Mindy advised that I put the date at the bottom with my theoretical secretary's imaginary um, initials. So the one that I'm just producing now says 122121WCH. That's my mythical secretary. Because every time you go in and make a change to your manuscript and repost it to Amazon, you need to change that date so that you can look at your book and know which version you're looking at when you when it's in your hot little hands. And it, it has already turned out to be very useful for me to have my own secret version of a version number. So encourage you to put that in. That's very interesting. That's new to me. Normally, I will put the date in the file name, but I never put it on the copyright page. I have liked it very much having it on the copyright page because then I can figure out what the hell is this? Which one am I changing? I can't remember. So I think that's been very useful for me. So that's, there's a useful, yeah, useful tip. Very useful. What else do you have on your copyright page that I'm missing? I don't think anything else. I think that's it. All right. All right. I only have two other things in, oh, well, Vellum now is putting the contents in the beginning and I don't like that, but um, I think the next thing is the dedication. Oh, after the copyright page. Yes. Is the dedication. Absolutely. Any, any words of advice on, on what you say in your dedication? No. Keep it short. Yeah. Keep it short and sweet. Heartfelt if possible. Or mom. I or mom. I think a lot of readers form an opinion of your skills as a writer from your book, but they form their opinion of you as a human from uh, things like the dedication page. So, so be sincere and be very short. Don't bother people. But I think there's a lot of power in the dedication page. I think people come to know who you are personally through the dedication page. So don't don't blow it off. Also have an acknowledgments page where you acknowledge anybody who helped you with your research and people like your beta readers. Good idea. That's a great idea. I need to do that. I'm putting that at the back though. Right. You can put that in the back, either the back or the front. All right. So we're still at front matter. Uh, Vellum insists that contents come next. And I think that's annoying, but, uh, but there you go. Do you agree? Um, I put actually the contents in an ebook. I put it first. Get it out See, of the way. You're 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 messing your free download time. You're using up the free true. download with it's contents. True. Think about putting it in the back because it's just as accessible. Uh, but the free download, no one's looking at. You know, yeah. So anyway, um, and then the last thing I have is an introduction. If I need an introduction, I do an introduction or a foreword. Mm -hmm. The other thing, so there are more options also. If you have a lot of characters, you might want to put a list of characters. Nice. Dramatas Personae. Yep. Um, Nice. Or a family tree. I'm fascinated by family trees. Absolutely. A family tree is fantastic. If you're like the Bridgerton series where it's all family, having a family tree is so useful. Right, right. Okay. A map. Jeff, I was about to say, if you are writing fantasy, having a map 
or a small town, like a cozy mystery, you would want a map so that your readers can imagine what the town looks like. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I would say that a list of characters, a family tree, and a map ought to go in the back of an ebook. Once again, though. Um, if you really want the reader to have this, this knowledge before they begin reading, though. Yeah, in the front. I'm thinking of... I read the George R. R. Martin Game of Thrones books in print. And by the end, he's got the whole back half of the book is, is the story of each family and their crest and all this stuff. And it just, if you put it in the front, you would absolutely bog down the book. It's in the back for reference. So I guess keep in mind your, your reader's attention span. I, I am maybe a family tree and a character list or, or a map at the beginning is a good idea because it does draw you in. I do. I love map. I love yeah. a map. I wish eBooks had an option so that I could get close-ups of that art. Often I read an eBook and I'm looking at a map and it is limited in size. So I don't know, maybe if you had an eBook, put a live link into a digital version of the map that you've got on your website so that I could, you know, my old eyes could blow it up and say, Ooh, look, there's very little distance between that volcano and this little town. <laughs> <laughs> That's not okay. a bad idea. Yeah, that would be cool. I think, yeah. I think that's brilliant. If I wrote a book that needed a map. I would do it. Um, okay. So before we get to the actual text itself, what else you got? Oh, we're at that. It's already. Sorry. Sorry. We're just going to keep going because we haven't even got to back matter yet. Um, that's all that I put in the front. Okay. So then we have book. Then we have the book. Prologue right. if necessary and straight through. Right. And here's an idea that I read somewhere recently. What do you think of chapter titles? Oh, I think it, I, I have no problems with chapter titles. If it flows with the, if it flows with the story, a chapter title is great. If you've got like some Dickensian tale, which says in which Herbert and I have tea, you know, that's fine. Do it. What do you think? I think, I think it's a good idea. Because it sort of gives a little teaser to the chapter. I think that if you have chapter titles and they're engaging, it's not just day four, 6 p.m. Right. If it's engaging, then I'm a little less annoyed that the table of contents is now being forced to the front of the ebook by Vellum because then you're, you're giving a quick scan of what's going to happen. So if your chapter titles are smoking, I'm in favor. I'm pro. So- that, I'm, I'm going to play with that with my next book. Good, good. It'll be interesting. We'll, we will like a report back, please. Okay. Okay, here's the first thing that I think should be in the front of the book, not the back of the book. And, and this is where Vellum has denied me the opportunity to move it. I have a uh, join, subscribe to my newsletter that I want to put in the front of the book. I have a... Oh, really? I have a yeah, sign up for Bliss and Giggles in the front of the ebook and not in the front of the print book because I've got it's not a digital world. So I put that in the back of the print book. I put a lot of stuff in the back, but I'd like to put that subscribe to my newsletter in the front too. I'd like it in both places. I'd like it in front and back. Yeah, I put it in front and back as well in my ebooks. 
but it's usually just in the back. Thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of a good way to screw with vellum. I could just call it a, something that they put in the front and then just muck around with it until I got it what I wanted to see. I got to figure this out and I won't bother you with it. Okay. So what do you put in the back of your, what's in your back matter? Um, back matter is first about the author. Okay. That is absolutely, that absolutely needs to be there. Um, and as we said before, the list of other books by the author and in an ebook, having those as live links, going back to the retailer where the book was purchased or or to a general page, either a landing page on your website or something like Books to Read that has options for the reader to go to their favorite e-retailer. Smart. Okay, good. All right. Because I think the next thing should be, the first thing at the end of the book should be, um, did you like it? Sign up for my newsletter and I'll send you a, hmm, right? So I think the thing should be, Love me, love me, love me. Newsletter sign up. Yes. I think I think, I, I think you're right. Well, the first thing I would do um, at the end of a book is uh, if you have historical notes or an author's note, that should go first. Actually, I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna challenge you. The first chapter of the next book should go first. No, because you don't want the historical notes before, uh, after the the first chapter of the next book. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think when you get to, and they lived happily ever after the end, the next page is, and now here's about her best friend and the handsome guy who hit his head and passed out in front of her carriage. Oh no. Right. And give them the first right then when they're hot, 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 hot. I think the next thing is next book. I think it goes book, next book, then you can get into historical notes. Yeah, I would first answer questions about the book that they just read, because if you go into historical notes after the teaser for the next book, then the reader might not be sure which book the historical notes refers to. I don't care if they know what the the historical notes refer to. I care that they buy the next book. (laughs) (laughs) There is, there is a goal here, and the goal is to have engaged them enough so that they want the next one, so that they're hungry for the next one. So I think the, the right after, I, yeah, okay, well, well, we can do it differently, but I believe that the, if the goal of the back matter and the front matter is to turn a disinterested person into an engaged and eager reader and buyer, that that ought to be your primary goal. And when they're very hot and flush with the happiness of the end of that story and they heave their sigh of regret that it's over, that's the exact moment to say, here's the next one. So I'm saying next book next. Then historical notes, it might be slightly out of context, but if you're writing in the same universe, it won't be out of context. And then author's note. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, um, the historical notes only refer back to the book that was just re- was just read. So, you know, if, right. so it would be not necessarily relating to the second, the next book. But anyway, okay. okay. <laughs> 
So after historical notes and or uh, a thank you from the author, an author's note saying, I had so much fun writing this book, or I had so much fun researching this book. I have one author who I format for who writes um, Gold Rush stories and she lives out in the West. And so she's been to the town that she based her novels in. And so she has pictures from the town and and historical things. So it's really cute. So she has pictures of herself there. All right. All right. I would add that you need a page that says, if you like this book, please review it. Absolutely. Which in my book is called How to Thrill an Author. That's the title. Yeah, my my back matter is now newsletter sign up, how to thrill an author on the drawing board, what's coming up next, about the author, and also buy. That's my that's my order. And if you have recipes or refer to recipes in your book, you can have recipes at the end. If you are writing science fiction or fantasy and you need to define terms, you can have a glossary at the end. Or if you use a lot of foreign words, words in a different language, you might want a glossary. Nice. Good. There's a lot of stuff in in front and back matter. Yeah. Um, And like J.R. Martin, you might want to have um, uh, mythological information or fant- or family information or right right just, you know extra stuff that your reader would be interested in and all of those things i think not only serve a purpose in keeping the reader engaged but also these are opportunities for the reader to feel like they know who you are absolutely um, and I, it it sounds mercenary to say that your persona is important in all of these elements. It sounds mercenary. Like the only reason that I'm saying you need to include the next chapter, the first chapter of the next book is because I want to sell more books. But but if the goal is to make readers believe that they are your friend who just hasn't met you yet, these are all the opportunities to do that. Stephen King, I've often, I, I know I harp on him, but he and I are obviously really good friends. He just doesn't know me yet because he writes very personable stuff directly to me, either before or after his books. And I know who he is and we're friends. Obviously, we have the same sense of humor. We're just alike. Him and me, we're like this. He just doesn't know it yet. And I think probably you can build stalkers that way, but th- but that's for a different podcast. We're not there yet. <laughs> um, but don't something... Don't think of your back, your front and back matter as a chore and something you have to get through. Each one of these things is an opportunity to define who you are. And, and that's useful and juicy and delicious. And to that end, there is something at the end. This is uh, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, uh, which is something very interesting. And I found it fascinating. I was recently listening to an audio book. And at the end of the audio book, it had the same thing, which is a Q&A with the author. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, you could also do um, uh, book club questions. Exactly. That's the next thing in Morgan Stern's book mm-hmm. is reading group guide. 
Yeah. So yeah. questions and answers and things that a, a, a book group can talk about. Yeah, that's very smart. That's very clever. Yeah. I found it really interesting at the end of the audiobook I was listening to, there was an interview with the author by another famous author in the same who writes in the same genre. Nice. That's brilliant. These are all value-added opportunities. The one that had the uh, Q&A with the author, when was that published? I bet it's more recent. Uh, no, it's not. I don't think. Hang on. It's uh, 2012. Yeah, that is actually 2012. more recent. Well, but it's still before the digital age. I mean, it's still before digital pub- self-publishing was a thing. That is true. So interesting. There's so much juice in front and back matter. Listen, so many opportunities. So many opportunities. It's joyous. It's fun. Don't be intimidated. You too can play. It's good. It's good. You'll like it. But I'll tell you, keep in mind that first download that people can get for free. Don't clog it up with your table of contents, despite what Vellum wants to do here. They're wrong. They're wrong. I will protest. Meredith, next week, we're going to produce a podcast that you've suggested, which I think is so smart, given that it will be released on December 31st. We're going to talk about writer goals. What are your goals for the year? And I am going to write my goals after I hear what you say. So part of the podcast is going to be scribbling down goal number one, goal number two. (laughs) I'm going to follow where you lead as usual. Well, there are lots of different ways of looking at goals. And so I'm going to do a little bit more research, but I have a few ways that I prefer and we will discuss it. Nice. Love it. All right. I'll talk to you then. Thank you very much, Meredith. Thank you, Prue. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.